It's Friday, and we're so close to a long weekend, so let's have some fun today with another great mailbag episode. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on and welcome into Locked On Irish. It is Friday, May 26th, so happy Friday to each of you and thank you for making this your first listen of the day. This show is free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts, so whether you're watching or listening, please take a moment to hit that subscribe button if you have not already. My name is Tyler Wojak and I am the host. I graduated from Notre Dame in 2018. I've been podcasting about the football team since 2020, and I'm also a producer for college football talent at the Fox Sports headquarters in Los Angeles. And it's Friday, so we got another mailbag episode for you. Um, shout out to everyone who sent in your questions this week. I greatly appreciate it. I'm probably not going to be able to get to all of them today due to time constraints. So if you sent one in and I don't address it in this episode, don't worry. I'll have another mailbag next week, and I will be sure to include it then. I actually got one question from Rick C., Longtime listener and longtime caller. That was really good, but it's probably going to take up a little bit too much time. So I'll probably just end up making an entire episode out of it next week because it was really good. But as for the ones today, we begin with a question from Mike C, who wants to know if you had to pick between Notre Dame landing one of the five star defensive line prospects still left on the board between Justin Scott and Elijah Rushing, who would it be? So this is tough. There's certainly pros and cons to each. Um, If you're looking purely at the recruiting rankings, Justin Scott is slightly higher ranked. He's the number 12 player overall in the class, the number three interior D lineman. And then Elijah Rushing is the number 22 player overall and the number three edge rusher. I think rushing plays a position that's of greater need for Notre Dame. Um, Notre Dame has recruited better on the interior of the defensive line in the past than true edge rushers. That's why you see um, Junior Tuihalamaka and Josh Burnham, two converted linebackers, two Vipers. Now, Jordan Patel is more of a true Viper in that sense. But Notre Dame has not been recruiting uh, pure edge rushers as well as they have um, in recent history. Obviously, if they had signed Keon Keeley, this would be a different conversation. So, Rushing is that going for him, but I'm actually going to take Justin Scott because to me, it comes down to this with those two. There's a lot more at stake with Justin Scott's recruitment than Elijah Rushing. Scott is as much of a can't-miss prospect for Notre Dame as you can get. Um, He's from Chicago, which is less than two hours away from campus. He goes to St. Ignatius, so he goes to a Catholic school in Chicago, which Notre Dame doesn't really have a feeder state necessarily, but they do have a feeder city, and that's Chicago, and particularly those Catholic high schools over there. I think Fenwick, Bennett, those schools like that, in Loyola as well, I got to shout out them as well. They constitute like 50% of every every freshman class. That might be a little too much, but you get my point here, right? Scott is a local kid. He goes to a Catholic school, and he wants to stay in the Midwest. That's another really important thing about this. He wants to stay home. He has a great relationship with his mother, and his mom wants him to stay close to home, and his mom loves Notre Dame. Marcus Freeman has done a great job of building that relationship because let's not get it twisted. Getting the mom involved in the recruitment and being on her side is very important uh, for all of these recruitments as it pertains to Notre Dame especially. And the staff at Notre Dame expects him to come to Notre Dame at this point in time. I know that there's some crystal balls out there. Um, One that concerns me the most is from Steve Wiltfong, who's one of the national recruiting directors at 24-7 Sports. He has him uh, predicted to go to Miami. And I think that is why this is such a big deal. Because if Notre Dame loses, odds are it's going to be to Miami, which basically means Notre Dame lost to NIL. Because if you look at everything that Justin Scott has said about what he's looking for in his next program, Miami doesn't check off a single one of those boxes. They haven't been good lately. I know they've got Mario Cristobal, who, you know, he's been a good recruiter in the past, particularly at Oregon. But 
this would just be basically be a money thing. And it would mean that Notre Dame lost out on a can't miss prospect because they simply got outbid by one of the biggest NIL heavy hitters in all of college athletics right now. And that would be a massive loss for the program. Now, if Notre Dame were to land rushing, but not Scott, would I still feel big time concerned about Notre Dame recruiting? Not necessarily. (laughs) Obviously, it would be great to land a guy of rushing's caliber, and it would say a lot about where Notre Dame is at if they're able to sign him. But again, Scott is a can't-miss guy. Losing him hurts so much more uh, than rushing, because if you lose rushing, like that's forgivable, right? He's from Arizona, um, doesn't have any Notre Dame ties. It's honestly kind of surprising that Notre Dame is still in it, but Scott, it's it's a huge recruitment, and I don't want to, you know, make a bigger deal out of it than it needs to be. But I think a lot of people, a lot of fans, a lot of people who follow recruiting in college football are looking at that and seeing, can Notre Dame get him over the line? Can they get this guy who's so close, who is basically everything that Notre Dame needs, and he's a five-star caliber guy? Like, they have Marcus Freeman now, who was advertised as an elite recruiter. And while I still think he is a great recruiter, recruiting in the NIL day and age is a much different uh, beast right now. And we haven't really seen Marcus Freeman... Um, be able to bring in those caliber of guys. He had verbal commitments from Keon Keeley. He had a verbal commitment from Peyton Bowen. But on signing day, neither of those guys signed with Notre Dame. He does have a a five-star in this class currently in Cam Williams, but it'd be nice to have a few more of those. I think by the time I started recording and now, Georgia probably signed like two more five-stars. So if Notre Dame wants to compete with those guys, and they say they do, they probably need to get both of these guys, but I think there's a lot more at stake with Justin Scott's recruitment. Norim cannot afford to lose him. Um, that would be just a major loss for the program and a sign of where things are at um, in their recruiting operation. I think it would be much more damaging to lose Scott than rushing. So that's why I'm picking him. All right. Next question comes from Ethan Jay, who wants to know, of all the diamonds in the rough that Notre Dame is, uh, has committed in the class of 2024, which one do you think has the best chance to be an NFL draft pick? So, For this, I'll say guys that are diamonds in the rough are the guys who are ranked outside of the top 300 nationally. And for me, this is uh, actually kind of easy. I think it's going to be Bryce Young, the defensive lineman, the son of Bryant Young, former Notre Dame player and NFL Hall of Famer. So Young is currently ranked uh, the number 352 player nationally and the number 36 D lineman in the class. But the reason why I'm so high on him and the reason that Notre Dame is so high on him as well is because of his frame. He's six foot six. 245 pounds, and he's going to continue growing, so he has like the perfect body type. What Notre Dame wants in their defensive lineman, particularly on the edge, he's very long. He's got great football pedigree. Obviously, he's the son of Bryant Young, and he is a freak athlete. He ran a 11.4 in the 100-meter dash at six foot six and 240 pounds. Like, that's hauling, okay? That's a type of uh, raw athleticism that you see develop into a future NFL draft pick. He also ran a 22.99 in the 200 meters, so he's got really long strides. And obviously, running in a straight line is not the biggest factor in determining success for a defensive lineman, but I think it shows you the type of raw athleticism that he possesses. So I think he has a great chance. Uh, not only to be good at Notre Dame, but I think his recruiting stock is going to rise. It was great that Notre Dame was able to get him to commit early because I think as he plays out his senior season, we're going to see that number, that ranking go up and up and up. I could see him cracking uh, into the top 200 potentially if he has a really great senior season in uh, Carolina. His offer list wasn't great early on, uh, but then his recruitment really picked up quite a bit at the start of 2023. He saw some offers come in from schools like Michigan, USC, but Notre Dame was able to get him. Um, even though this that he was a legacy, this is still a very important get for Notre Dame. 
you know, the, the fact that he was the son of Bryant Young, I think a lot of people are like, oh, Notre Dame's just going to get him. No, I think that they had a fight a little bit more than people might have expected, but they did get him to verbally commit. I expect him to sign on signing day, and I'm really high on his future at Notre Dame. Okay, next one comes from Chris M., who asks, who do you think will be named captains for the 2023 season? So I'll base this off of what Notre Dame did last year, Marcus Freeman's first full year as head coach. Notre Dame announced six captains, three on offense, three on defense. They were Michael Mayer, Avery Davis, and Jarrett Patterson on offense. And then on defense, you got J.D. Bertrand, Bo Bauer, and Isaiah Foskey. So the easiest one to pick here is J.D. Bertrand because he's the only one of those guys who is still on the team this year. So on defense, I'm going to take J.D. Bertrand. I also think Howard Cross... I think he's really well-respected on the team. He's an older guy. Um, he could be the captain of the defensive line, so to speak. So I'll take him. And then sort of a dark horse candidate, I'm taking Cam Hart. Um, he's a fifth-year senior, a guy who's been through a lot at Notre Dame. He's gone through a position change. He's dealt with a bunch of injuries, but he's really talented. And obviously, you like to have your captains be one of the better players on the team. So I think Cam Hart um, will be good, be the captain of the defensive backs. And then on offense, I know he's just a junior, but he's the best player on the team, Joe All. Um, I'm taking him. I think Zeke Carell has a great chance to be a captain. He's a fifth-year senior as well. He's been through a lot at Notre Dame. He had to go through a position switch from center to guard, and that didn't really go well, so then he moved back to center. And then I think he ended up uh, finishing last season really strong. I think he would be a great leader. Even though that's two guys in the offensive line, I don't really think that's a big deal. And then I'm going to go with Sam Hartman, which seems kind of crazy because he's only been around the program since January of this year, and he was a transfer, and he's only going to be around one year. But this dude is so talented, and not only that, he's so much older than a lot of the guys on the team. I think a lot of people look up to him, and I think that based on what we saw during the Blue and Gold game, and I don't want to read too much into it, but the guys seem to really like him, partially because he's really good, and they probably realize how much he's going to help the team this year. But I think he's a natural leader, and I think that he could end up being the captain. Plus, he's the quarterback, and quarterbacks are captains um, a lot of the time. So, yeah, there, there you go. I'm going to take Joe Walt, Zeke Correll, Sam Hartman, J.D. Bertrand, Howard Cross, and Cam Hart. That's my prediction for the captains for the 2023 season. All right, here's a brief message from our sponsors, and then I have some more questions to get to coming up next. This episode of Lockdown Irish is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Nobody does it better when it comes to fit, comfort, and versatility. They've got some of the most comfortable shorts and pants in the market right now. I recently got a couple new pairs of Bird Dog shorts, and I can tell you right now, I look better and feel great wearing them. Their stretchy fabric makes them comfier than any of my other shorts, and their pants are so stylish that you'll have the freedom to wear them on the golf course, in a meeting, on a date, or hanging out with friends. I started wearing them to the gym, and they're already my favorite pair of shorts to work out, and someone actually complimented me on them today. So go to birddogs.com slash college, and when you enter promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. I got mine. I love it. I think you'll love it too. So seriously, don't walk. Run to birddogs.com and stock up on the most comfortable shorts and pants you can find. Thanks again for making Lockdown Irish your first listen of the day, and we resume with some more mailbag questions. This next one comes from Dave R., who asks, In your mind, who are Notre Dame's biggest rivals, and which team do you hate the most? Well, for which team I hate the most, it's USC. Um, there's no doubt about that. And the fact that I live in L.A. and I'm surrounded by USC fans certainly adds to that. And the fact that they became a lot more hateable when they added Lincoln Riley, and particularly Caleb Williams. So I think that's Notre Dame's biggest rival. They play them every single year. They're going to continue playing them every single year, and they're just hateable. Like Notre Dame and USC have a storied rivalry that goes back decades, and I, I really hope that no matter what happens with Notre Dame and, and conference realignment and all that, that USC is on the schedule every year. And I'm also excited um, that these games between Notre Dame and USC, there's going to be a lot bigger stakes to them because normally, at least in the past 
I don't know, 20 years or so, usually it's one team dominating the other. In the, in the 2000s and mid-2000s, USC dominated Notre Dame. They kicked our ass every single year, and then that flipped, and then Notre Dame won eight in a row. And then last year, USC ended that streak when they beat Notre Dame, and uh, I was there for that one watching Caleb Williams just run all over the Notre Dame defense, and that was not the most fun Saturday I've ever had. But let's look at the other rivals because Notre Dame has a ton. You know this. Did you know how many teams, um, how many teams Notre Dame plays where a trophy is involved? There's USC, obviously, which is the Jewel Chalele. Stanford is the Legends Trophy. Navy, apparently there's the Rip Miller Trophy. I have personally never heard of that, probably because I don't think that was featured in the old NCAA football video games back in the day, whereas all the other ones I just mentioned, um, including Boston College, the Ireland Trophy, uh, Purdue, there's the Shillelagh Trophy, and then there's Michigan State, the Megaphone Trophy. All of those trophies, except the Rip Miller Trophy, were actually in that game, so that's actually how I knew it. Um, speaking of which, I'm very excited for that game to come back into our lives. I'm going to be, yeah, I'm going to be 28 years old, probably holding myself up uh, and playing that game nonstop once it comes out next year. But then Michigan is in there, and honestly, that's my number two, at least in, in terms of like most hated teams. Um, it sucks that Notre Dame doesn't play Michigan on the schedule every year. I really want that rivalry to come back. All the politics and stuff that go into that, I, I get it. And it was really unfortunate how the last game ended. That was just an abysmal game from Notre Dame's perspective. So really left us with a sour taste in our mouth after that one. But I'm going to throw out a new one. Is Clemson emerging as a new rival? They're sort of like-minded. I mean, hell, Jack Swarbrick, the athletic director at Notre Dame, even mentioned uh, how he modeled the hire of Marcus Freeman after Dabo Sweeney, sort of, not like to a T, but he looked as, at Dabo Sweeney as someone who embodied the faith aspect um, and sort of his beliefs about what college football should be. So there's some mutual respect there. They are playing a lot more. The games have mattered a ton. Uh, Notre Dame obviously won big time last year. They got smoked in the ACC championship game. But then that win over uh, Clemson in 2020, even though they didn't have Trevor Lawrence in that game, that was one of the most fun fun games I've ever watched as a Notre Dame fan in my entire lifetime. So I look at them kind of as a rival now. They'd have to you know, play continuously over the next 10 years or so and have a lot more important games for them to really fit into the mold with all, the other, with all these other teams. But then again, like, Notre Dame doesn't play Michigan State anymore, really. They don't play Purdue. They play Boston College. They play Navy. They play Stanford. They play USC. I'd happily get rid of the Navy game. More on that uh, in August, probably. But, yeah, USC is Notre Dame's biggest rival. I, I really don't even think it's up for a debate at this point, and they are certainly the team I hate the most. Okay, next one comes from Sandra, who asks, do you think there will be more Notre Dame fans or Navy fans in Ireland? Secondly, will you do a pod from there? Well, there's definitely going to be more Notre Dame fans there. Um, yesterday was announced that the game is actually going to be sold out. There's going to be 40,000 fans in the crowd, and it's expected that 39,000 of them are going to be traveling from the United States. We know how well Notre Dame fans travel. I'm sure that there's going to be some Navy fans there in attendance. I will be at that game. I will be in Ireland for about a week. So as for the pod, I'm going to have to do some or else Locked On uh, is going to get mad at me. But I'm obviously going to want to do some as well. But I'm really excited. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. My family's had two trips to Ireland. Both of them had to be canceled, one because of the COVID pandemic and then one because my AU baseball team went to Cooperstown. So I'm sure my parents loved that. But finally, this August, we were going to make that trip, and I could not be more excited. So I think there's going to be more Notre Dame fans. And, yeah, I'll do some podcasts out there. Maybe I'll even do a live show if we see this show uh, grow a little bit more between now and then. Okay, this next one comes from Dylan V, who asks, how will the departure of DJ Sticky Boots affect the spread of Notre Dame home games? I love this question. So if you're unfamiliar, DJ Sticky Boots used to be the stadium DJ uh, for the past couple years, I want to say. 
I think we first heard his name in like 2021. If you listen to my old podcast that I did with Luke Smith called Sons of Saturday Irish, this was a, a pretty major talking point. We've talked a little bit about DJ Sticky Boots on this show as well. I hate to bash him too much, but his selections were awful, man. <laughs> and in fairness to DJ Sticky Boots, creating a playlist for the crowd at Notre Dame Stadium is probably next to impossible. Like you're not going to satisfy everyone given the variance in the crowd. It's a difficult job. But it was so bad. Like, I'm sorry. If you if you have been to a game at Notre Dame Stadium since 2021, you know what I'm talking about. Do you remember that song? I don't, it's not even a song. It's like a little girl asking, are you scared yet or something? I don't know. It was like nails on a chalkboard. And sometimes you'd come through the TV and it'd make me sick. And I feel like it had a reverse effect on the team. Like Notre Dame would play worse on third downs because of it. So as for this question, will it affect the spread of Notre Dame home games? I don't think Vegas knows. I don't think Vegas knows about the departure of DJ Sticky Boots. So if you're listening, let's keep this on the down low, shall we? Because if this gets out, then Vegas might alter the spread. Like we've got an in right now, okay? I honestly think Notre Dame's defense will be much more effective at home on third downs and in the red zone this year uh, compared to the last two years solely because of this. I've heard good reports on the new guy. I heard he did a good job. Or girl. Might be a girl. Uh, I heard he or she uh, did a good job at the Blue and Gold Games. So I think that Notre Dame's home field advantage, they don't always have a great one, but I think it will improve this year now that they have a new stadium DJ. And look, like I was saying, it's a tough job to create a playlist that satisfies everyone at whatever social setting you're at, let alone a football stadium filled with 80,000 people, some of which are in college, some of which are like Fortune 500 CEOs that get pissed at you if you're standing in front of them. So look, I understand that it's difficult, but the tiebreaker should always be, what's going to hype up the Notre Dame players more? Talk to them, communicate with the team, come up with a playlist that works. That's my advice to you, whatever your name is, the new DJ, and I think that things will be a lot better for the team this season. So really, keep it on the down low. Don't let anyone know that DJ Sticky Boots is out of the booth and will keep this new person a secret. And I think you should hammer, and I mean hammer Notre Dame, to cover every home game this season as a result. All right, I really love that one. All right, stick around for segment three because I've got one more question to answer that involves mascots fighting. You don't want to miss it. All right, we've got one more, and it's a short question, but it's going to be a long answer, so bear with me here. So Willow wants to know, if the Notre Dame Leprechaun got in a fight with every other mascot on the schedule this season, what would its record be at the end? All right, so let's go through the entire schedule. Navy, they've got a live mascot, Bill the Goat. They've also got a costume mascot that looks pretty intimidating. I'm not going to lie. The midshipman costume guy doesn't really have a name. I couldn't find it, at least. Maybe I'm wrong. If you know it, send it in. Um, I'm not going to lie, though. Dude looks big. Looks like he's got some crazy to him with his eyes. He's also like half man, half goat, kind of. But the half man... Is also in the Navy, potentially even a Navy SEAL. It's got the size mismatch on the Leprechaun. So we respect the troops on this pod. I'm going to give the, the win to the Navy midshipman guy. So 0-1 for the Leprechaun so far. But he's going to get a bounce back win against Tennessee State because their mascot is Aristocrat the Tiger. A tiger that's an aristocrat. That's an easy W for the Leprechaun. Okay, let's move on to NC State. They've got a live mascot that's super cute. If you're into dogs, uh, Tuffy, I believe, is his or her name, and it's incredibly cute. But the leprechaun is not going to be fighting the live mascot. The live, the live mascot's going to be watching, maybe getting some pets from the leprechaun. The leprechaun is going to be fighting the costume mascot, um, and he looks a little deformed, 
honestly, a little fat as well. I'm not really sure what's going on there. So I think the leprechaun would give him the work. I know that you might be thinking it's a wolf going up against a leprechaun. How's the leprechaun going to have any shot? Go look at it. Come back to me, and you'll see why. Central Michigan, they don't have a mascot, so they're out. Easy W for the leprechaun. So right now he's at 3-1. and one. And then Ohio State and Brutus. I hate Brutus, <laughs> okay? He's so annoying. Um, he's always in the, like, he on college game day, he's always around, and on Big Noon Kickoff, too, shout out Fox Sports, um, he's always in the mix, he can't talk, and also, all the weight is in his head, he's very top-heavy, he looks allergic to the weight room, he's got very skinny arms, I know Brutus will crank out some push-ups every now and then, but he's just sort of always in the way, and his huge noggin is just kind of knocking everyone out, so, I think the leprechaun, Low pad level here. I think the Leprechaun gets a win over Brutus, and uh, I think we'd all be delighted to see that. Now, this next one is a little bit tougher. Duke, the Blue Devil. Historically, the Devil doesn't have the best win-loss record. He's taken his fair share of L's in his time, but he does have some W's. He is the Devil. Uh, he does have some power, I would say. Um, and considering Leprechauns are pretty deviant, maybe they could become friends in an alternate universe. I don't know. But I don't like the matchup here for the Leprechaun. The Blue Devil's pretty jacked. He's also Satan, which I don't think plays well for the Leprechaun. So I don't really like this matchup at all. I think I'm going to have to take the Devil here because he's jacked. He's got all these powers. And he's just, you know, not really a great dude. And I think he'd fight dirty in that one. So I'll give the, give the W to the Duke Blue Devil. Okay, next up, Louisville. The Cardinal Bird looks mean. I've seen him a lot in my lifetime uh, when I was living in Louisville. Behind that deformed mouth smile slash snarl thing that the Cardinal Bird at Louisville's got going for him. I think he's actually a giant wimp, so W for the Leprechaun. Um, it's also a bird. It's going to be tough to track. Might have the aerial attack down over the Leprechaun, but I still think you fight seven rounds, Leprechaun's getting that one. Next up, we got USC, uh, Tommy Trojan. I admit this one is tough. Tommy Trojan has a horse. He also has a spear. Leprechaun doesn't really have a weapon, so he's a big underdog in this fight. But I will say the Leprechaun can maybe manipulate the horse a little bit, if, and if he can get Tommy Trojan off the horse, I actually like his chances there. He might be able to pull, pull some tricks. Tommy Trojan probably not used to not having the high ground on the horse, so if we're on flat ground there, I actually like the Leprechaun in a giant upset over Tommy Trojan. Okay, Pitt, now you would think that a panther would win easily over a leprechaun. But think again. Have you ever seen the pit panther? It looks more like a deranged kitten with crazy eyes. So give me the leprechaun big here. The leprechaun beats the panther, talks trash to Pat Narduzzi and Phil Drakovic in an easy win. He wins over all three of those guys. Okay, Clemson. Look, I'm sorry. This is a blowout. The Clemson tiger is going to kick the leprechaun's ass because I don't know if you've ever seen the Clemson mascot. So he's in a costume, but... It's not your normal, like, fully inflated costume, so the arms kind of look like a hoodie. Like, they're not, like, the puffy, you know, like the Michigan Spartan, for example. Like, he's got, he's on steroids, essentially. Not the Clemson Tiger. I stood next to the Clemson mascot at the Fiesta Bowl uh, a few years ago when they were playing Ohio State, when I was on the field during that game, and me and everyone else who was around me could not stop talking about how jacked the Clemson Tiger was. This dude was, I assume it's a dude, this dude was cranking out one-handed push-ups like it was nothing. He was also like six foot four, six foot five. Like, honestly, if it had taken the head off, I, I would have thought there was a realistic chance that that guy played on the team. So, I'm sorry. 
Leprechaun, you've got no shot here. The Clemson Tiger is pure mammal. It's going to dominate this fight. So not a good one for the Leprechaun. The good thing is he can bounce back with an easy W against the Demon Deacon because I don't know what that what the deal was with that mascot. The Demon Deacon looks like a founding father that took too many sleeping pills. The face isn't intimidating at all. It literally looks like it's about to fall asleep. I'm not sure what they were doing with that facial expression when they designed it. Um, I don't know when they designed it, who designed it, or what, but I personally have some questions. He's also wearing a suit. He's not really intimidating at all. So, yeah, Leprechaun easy over the Demon Deacon. And then we get to Stanford. It's a tree. It's quite literally a tree. Not only that, it's an ugly, potentially schizophrenic tree. And outside of the Red Blob at Western Kentucky, this might be the most absurd-looking mascot in all of college sports. Maybe it's on acid or something. I'm not really sure. It is from Northern California, so you can't really write that one off. Um, but I like the leprechaun big here against the, the Stanford tree, whatever it is. It, it's it's crazy looking, and uh, it was actually kind of funny. Speaking of those old EA Sports NCAA football video games, like when you could play um, as mascots in that game, playing as the Stanford tree was kind. It was just like the funniest one, especially when you're a little kid because they just looked so deranged. So it does have that going for it. But overall, I'm taking the Leprechaun there. So if we look at the overall win loss record, I'm, I'm unfortunately I think the Leprechaun has taken a loss to the Navy Midshipman guy, the Duke Blue Devil, and the Clemson Tigers. So a nice nine and three finish, which is pretty good for the undersized Leprechaun that represents Notre Dame. And on that note, we'll call it a day here at Locked On Irish. Thanks again for making this your first listen of the day. Remember to subscribe to the show and follow us across all of our social media channels. You can find us on Twitter at Locked On Irish, on Instagram at Locked On Irish Pod, and my personal Twitter account at Tyler Wojcik. That's at Tyler, W-O-J-C-I-A-K. Enjoy Memorial Day. Enjoy the long weekend, and I will see you guys next week.